I'm Dylan Stafford, and welcome to Drive Time, UCLA Anderson's podcast about some of the most interesting and ambitious people in our community. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. With me today is Tina Pham, who is a brand new member of the Alumni Network. We are recording this on a Monday afternoon and uh, 72 three or four days ago, Friday afternoon, uh, Tina was part of the class of 2020, experiencing the first ever COVID virtual commencement <laughs> ceremony. And, um, and Tina is also part of our, our summer spotlight series that we're doing this summer of 2020, where we ask, we sent a survey to the class of 2020 and we ask, who of your fellow classmates, whose story do you think is really maybe inspirational, aspirational, uh, that you think the world would want to hear. And Tina was uh, one of the five, six people nominated, and uh, she was gracious enough to say yes. So thank you very much. And and welcome, welcome, Tina. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Dylan. I'm super, super excited. Um, very, very happy that my, my class thinks um, that my story is inspirational to share. Um, and I'm really happy to just uh, talk <laughs> to you about all these experiences. <laughs> Well, of course, my, my team includes two of your classmates, Samantha Holland and Darcy Hitt. And uh, there's one story from Darcy that we have to tell about the Global <laughs> Access Program and the final presentation moment. So uh, they were they were big fans uh, and and as well as, as you know, your, your classmates at large. So um, for those of you listening, so Tina um, is in she celebrates one year at Amazon next week. She is currently a category manager in the grow the go grocery division but before she uh, went to Amazon when she began Anderson she was working at Nordstrom as an assistant brand buyer and uh, actually had a promotion the summer before school for between admissions and the start of leadership foundation she got a promotion so um, we're going to talk about how she perceived herself as either an enhancer or a switcher uh, we're going to talk about the global access program did an international trip one of our exchanges to Japan and uh, we're really going to look ahead to, to what's, you know, what's it like, you know, three days into being an alum. <laughs> so, um, so that's the, that's the format for those of you listening. And uh, again, this is a, this is one of the real spotlight story from the class of 2020. So uh, Tina, why don't you start with just kind of telling people, you know, where did you grow up? Uh, anything about your family? Kind of what, what's your, how did you come to be who you are here in 2020? how did you get started in life? Yeah, um, so I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, where I still am. Um, it's not as rainy as they say it is. I'm just oh, throwing that out there. It's a great city. <laughs> um, and so my parents are immigrants from Vietnam, actually. So my mom um, lived in Vietnam up until she was in her 20s, um, and she was a refugee. She escaped Vietnam by boat with um, some of her siblings um, and my cousins to really look for a new life in America. Um, and here in America, she met my dad. And so my two sisters and I kind of were born um, in Seattle here and really grew up in, I would say, like a very um, diverse kind of area. Also, like lots of cultural kind of backgrounds and nuances. Um, and really, I, I like really love it and really appreciate. I think the older I've grown, the more I've appreciated all that kind of diversity um, and and the, the the prospect of just like having the the opportunities to do what we do in the U.S. She was in a refugee camp in the Philippines and got um, hosted by a family in, I believe it was Wisconsin, 
Um, and so we almost, I almost grew up in Wisconsin, but she relocated to Seattle first. And so I, I'm here in Seattle now. <laughs> so the so. W states, we'll try Wisconsin, yeah, yeah. I'll try Washington. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so very exciting. Yeah, so I, I love Seattle. So I've kind of stayed here since. Um, and I kind of grew up uh, sort of like near the airport on the South End. Um, went to school at the University of Washington. Um, going into school is I've kind of taken a lot of crazy paths in life, but going in to at UW, I was going into pre-med. I actually wanted to be a doctor. Um, okay. Did not like that did not work out. Like as soon as I entered UW, I knew that was not for me. So I switched and I majored in art in art history, which is like a 180 a little bit from pre-med. Um, what, what year did you figure out medicine was not for you? Before I started my first class at UW, it was like between applications, you know, kind of realizing like I don't really do anything with like science. I'm not really great at quant. I don't know why I'm doing this. Kind of had a little mini revelation. Um, and, and at UW, you know, like kind of your first year, they put you in like sort of um, like groups, interest groups. And I think I found out through my very first interest group that I, I chose correctly, which was art and art history. <laughs> so that's what that's what I majored in at, at for undergrad, actually. <laughs> well, that's that's great that you figured it out so soon, because <laughs> in admissions, we read many, many stories mm -hmm. of people whose parents want them to be a doctor, exactly. yep. a lawyer, <laughs> an engineer. And then but very often it's it's halfway through their sophomore year, even right. into the junior year that they finally say, you know, this is not for me. That's so great. You could figure it out early. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a, I would say it's an uphill battle with my parents for sure, up until the middle point, maybe even up until graduation where it's kind of set, like there's, there's no way I can get into med school anymore with my art degree, like it's just really not happening, but, um, but I, I was, I was happy with it, um, so I, I graduated you know, with an art, uh, art history major, and art, his, or sorry, art major, and art history minor, um, and then I actually went on to do visual design, so I worked at a local um, graphic design firm uh, here in, in, in Seattle. Um, and then I did about a year of like freelance work with that. Um, and really just, there's no money to be made. It was just really tough to get clients. It's really hard to get your name out there. Um, so I pivoted um, and I actually from there kind of moved past that and I decided that I needed to go back to school. And I did my um, first master's <laughs> in Milan and I did it in uh, management and fashion management, focusing on luxury brands. Now, how did you, how did you find that program? It was actually, I had um, some fellow friends that were in similar sister programs that had kind of done it through the network. It was the University of Wales. They had a couple different areas and schools. Um, so they had a couple, a couple different sister schools. And so my, one of my friends had done the one in India. Um, and so I was like looking up and like where better to do luxury brand management than in like the fashion capital of the world, which is Milan. Um, and so I really decided that's how I kind of decided to just go there um, and, and figure out that that was something something I wanted to do, which was really a lot more on like the marketing side. It was like branding, a lot of product development, um, and really focusing more on like uh, how, how to create a brand and like the luxury brand piece of it. So this was a, this was a University of Wales master's program mm -hmm. held in Milan in Italy. Correct, yes. Oh, how yep. interesting. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so that was a that was a great experience. <laughs> and that was residential in Italy the whole time, or correct? Yes, yeah, oh, yeah. It good. was, um, yeah. Like I was, I was pretty young, and I would say like a little bit naive back then too, in terms of just plunging right into the program. I knew maybe like 
a month's worth of Italian. Um, and then I started the program and I was like in way over my head. I was like, Oh my God, I don't understand anyone. I can't even buy groceries. You know, like it was, it was really, really challenging to try to figure out like, okay, how am I supposed to navigate this? So there was a, a bit of a crash course in Italian there, <laughs> courtesy of my friends. Um, but I, I made it through the program unscathed. So, so, <laughs> Oh, the, the entire language of instruction was Italian. It was um, actually mixed. So there was English okay. in there. There was, because it was in Milan, it was very heavily Italian. There was a lot of, a lot of pieces of it that were Italian that you really needed to know the language. Um, I was in order to succeed. <laughs> wow. So a whole year in mostly Italian crash course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so then what, what happened to your career after, after you completed your master's, your first yeah. master's? Yeah. So I came back to the U.S. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to go into merchandising management, buying, um, like really, really loved those pieces of it. Um, but you know, like reality doesn't always match up with what you want to do. Um, so I came back and I actually, my first job was um, buying for at, at an e-commerce company for children's toys. So I did like ride on toys, puzzles and games, which was like, in my mind, you know, I was like, oh, I'm like luxury brands, and like high fashion. And then I came back and I was like, you know, working on like kids, like kind of balance bikes. Um, so I feel like there was a bit, a bit there, but I, I'm actually very glad of the opportunity because I learned so much about uh, a number of different industries and a number of different functions by do, by doing that job. Um, it was just kind of like, you know, I, I, I sort of had like this sort of expectation and it kind of fell flat a little bit. <laughs> so I had to come to terms with that slightly. <laughs> when did you come into working for Nordstrom's? When does that part happen with your story? Yeah. So after, after I kind of got my, my feet wet, so to speak, within buying and merchandising, um, I had a contact at Nordstrom who reached out to me and recruited me in for um, the private label side. It was the Nordstrom product group. And so it was really working on the product development piece. I'm um, really more kind of like back to, back to a little bit closer to where I had initially wanted to when I had first come back from school. Um, and so I started my career at Nordstrom and I was there for um, almost six years actually and did a private label. I did a number of different roles within merchandising, product development, planning, um, and kind of moved around to many different areas of the company. And Nordstrom's, you know, when I see an applicant with Nordstrom on their resume, it's, it's one of, there's some of these companies, Federal Express, Southwest Airlines, Nordstrom, some of these companies, Amazon now too, um, <laughs> some of these companies that have so many business school cases written about them. Right. <laughs> you know, there's always, as an admissions dean, there's a little bit of, oh, Tina will be great because she'll bring some of those best practice, customer service. She'll bring that Nordstrom, you know, excellence into the student body. And, and you know, that's, that's one of the things that's always going through our, our admissions committee as we you know, you get admitted for your own academic ability, but it is a working professional MBA. So where you work is also part of what you bring as a contribution to your classmates. So, and, and now tell people, cause you, you had one of the, this is one of my favorite stories of all times when this happens, it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens more than, more <laughs> than you would think. But the sum, so between the time you got admitted and the, mm -hmm. and this, the end of the summer of, you know, before school began, leadership foundations, what happened with your 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 job at Nordstrom? You got a promotion, right? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll kind of set it up a little bit for you, if you, if I may. Please, um, please, so, please. <laughs> so I, I, you know, like kind of like given my background in, in you know the education and then e-commerce and merchandising. So I was at I was at Nordstrom, and I had bounced I think to about two at this point two different roles. Um, but they were very heavily focused on buying and merchandising kind of side of it. Like, uh, so, so the soft skills side, so to speak. 
Um, what I kind of felt when I was sitting there in that role was like, what if I wanted to do something else? What if I wanted to move up the ladder? Like, what if I wanted to switch over and like, you know, all these different opportunities are available to me. I felt like I didn't actually have the skill set to do so. I didn't have any financial background. The last math class I took, I think was AP calculus in high school and I tested out of it in college. You know, I felt like pretty deficient in terms of like, you know, I have some great skills and I feel like I can do this, but how do I really prove and show that I have these skills and abilities? Um, and so that actually was kind of what prompted me to even look into um, the MBA in the first place. You know, I had a lot of conversations in my company about like moving to a different role to gain a different skill, specifically in planning, financial planning. Okay. And a lot of the feedback was like, you know, we think you would be great, but you haven't done any financial planning. Okay. You know, like you've done a lot of buying and like you can pick products, but how do we know you can do these financial skills short of maybe issuing a test or something like that? So I was looking for, you know, a way to kind of fill these skills. And that's kind of how I, I landed on um, even approaching the MBA as an option uh, to kind of help fill that gap. Um, and so after I had been accepted at UCLA, I went back and I applied for a merchandise planner position, which is essentially a financial planner position. Um, and just having the MBA on my resume, I hadn't even started yet. It was just my resume saying that I was slated to start um, in mm -hmm. September and I would be a graduate class of June, you know, expected graduation date, June 2020. Um, and, and I felt so much more confident moving into the interview for that role. And I also felt like I was being taken a lot more um, seriously in terms of the skills that I was able to demonstrate. Just simply having like the fact that I was accepted into a UCLA MBA program that's prestigious and known for like, you know, well-rounded skills. Um, I felt like that much more confident and, and I was able to land that job. So in between being accepted and, and saying that my position was an assistant brand buyer um, to when I actually started at Leadership Foundations, I had moved jobs right in between that, that time, time frame. Three quick points I want to just highlight from your story. Um, you know, for everybody, when you do your Propelling Your Leadership Career Workshop with Pam and Jackie um, and Susan, the, you know, our career services team this summer, they'll do it. They'll teach you exactly what Tina just said, which is you can list it on your resume right now. UCLA Anderson MBA candidate expected okay. class of 2023. So you can, you can put that halo on there now. Uh, second point, you get that halo effect of UCLA even before you've formally set foot on campus and begun the program. The second point for the entering students is we really encourage everyone to take advantage of the pre-MBA math and Excel and statistics workshop. So Tina, one of the things that Dean Fracious and an entire team, plus uh, Professor Ravitch, they've really upgraded the, the pre-MBA summer course and uh, really made sure we had, we hired a couple TAs and they tested it and, you know, removed some components, added some components. So it's a great way to, especially like yourself, I was AP calculus, mm -hmm. haven't done this in a while. It's a great way to practice your study habits and build up, you know, the superpowers of the MBA, your, your, math skills, your statistical skills, your ability to do Excel. Um, and then the third thing is, you know, last year, the class of 2019, we don't know the class of 2020 until the end of the summer, but last year, the class of 2019, their average salary pre-FEMBA to post-FEMBA went up 49%. That's amazing. And nobody goes up 49% typically doing the same job that they started the program with. So I love your story of going, you know, from assistant brand buyer to merchandise planner that summer because Tina gets credit for that. You know, that's you. you. You've been at Nordstrom several years. You've established your voice and your credibility. 
but we can help a little bit. There's a little, there's a little sparkle when you start to, I'm getting my MBA, I'm getting my MBA from UCLA, you know, and that does help. And I always say there's sort of two promotions during FEMBA. There's the first one that you were going to get anyway, but we can shorten it Mm -hmm. and accelerate and bring it to you faster. And then there's that sort of mid career, which is where we're going to get with your transition to Amazon. There's that mid career moment where it's like, Oh my God, I'm halfway through FEMBA. I thought this was going to take a gazillion years and yet, it does happen. It gets done. And then there's that you're on the downhill. And that's the time where that leverage kicks in, where your employer needs to either sweeten the deal with a great post MBA pathway, or you're going to have options because you've earned your MBA and you really have reset the narrative of what you're capable of. So I just love your story because it so illustrates that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a legitimate real case study in how a person can leverage because you made the investment in yourself, but you've already done this before. You've already gone to Milan. You already have a master's degree. Sometimes the first master's degree is not the one that's going to get us to the <laughs> So, all right. So now back to you. So, yeah. so that happened before, before FEMBA began. So I guess this right. is kind of a natural segue. So let's, let's start to tell people yeah. about the three years that you just witnessed Absolutely. and lived and experienced. So, yeah. Um, I, got like my acceptance box from like UCLA where they, they kind of give you the swag to begin with. And I was so excited. This is my backyard, but I just went out there right away. I made my husband take a picture of me with this UCLA flag. And it was so, I was so, so incredibly proud and so excited to share with like everyone, my friends and my family and whatnot, um, that I was accepted to UCLA. And I was so proud to become a Bruin. Um, and it's also very slightly embarrassing, but um, I didn't know what a Bruin was before I joined UCLA. I was like, what is this? And I had to look it up and I realized it was just a brown bear, but very embarrassing. Hey, <laughs> it's okay. You're, well, you were a Husky, right? Aren't, is I it was. Yeah, you know, it's, it, your heart's always with your undergrad, but your brain chooses your grad degree. Yeah. Well, and then shout out to Raymond Murata because he does the welcome yes. bit. God bless Raymond. He's a hero on my team. And Raymond, this is a fun story. Those welcome kits are um, put together by Amy Miller, who is a FEMBA alum who runs Castle Press, female-owned company. And so it's it's uh it's you know obviously Raymond on the team makes it happen. But all of that, you know, your your lovely pennant and your coffee mug, whatever we gave you, next year, that's all. That's a that's a that's a UCLA Anderson FEMBA company. Yeah. That, that brought that to you. So, and you would have considered yourself kind of, you know, we always ask, are you an enhancer? Right. Go, go further on with Nordstrom. Are you a switcher, mm-hmm. new company, entrepreneur, explorer, you know, not sure you mm-hmm. want to see what's out there, but you self-identified more as an enhancer probably during your admission Absolutely. essays. Yeah. And and I would say, like, in my intent, like, um, applying into that was really to, like, well, you know, there's this great position I really want to be at at Nordstrom. You know, I want to grow my career. I'm hearing feedback that, like, in order to, like, get to different areas of the company or to advance, you know, like, these are, these are maybe, like, skills I should have. And I felt like the MBA was the place for me to get those skills. So definitely wanted to stick with Nordstrom and wanted, wanted to grow with the company there. So what are some year one memories? Because everybody sort of, you have an idea of what it's going to be, and then there's the yeah. reality of it. So what was it, what was your first year like? I mean, year one was pretty crazy for me. I'm not going to lie. I think um, going into the program, I had, you know, like imposter syndrome. I really wasn't sure, like, about what I was doing. I had so many moments where I was like, 
oh man, I don't know if I did the right thing. They probably made a mistake in admitting me. Like I don't, you know, like I, I didn't have like the quant background. I didn't feel like I could answer some of these Excel questions. I was like, I just feel so out of my league and just so far from where I really needed to be to start a program. And I, I think that's, that's partially like, you know, a, a policy I have where it's like, I want to be 100% ready before I take something on. And I kept feeling like I wasn't ready yet, but you know, the school year was starting. So what can you do? You just kind of have to dive in and do it. Um, leadership foundations, to, like the, the week on campus with people I've never met before. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't even know what to bring to where, what's the weather like in LA. Like there were just so many different pieces that I, I was like kind of concerning myself about, which granted in hindsight, some of them were more important than others. Um, but I, I really was kind of just like out of my mind a little bit, like nervous and concerned. Um, and you were coming down from Seattle. Correct. Yep. And, and staying in LA. And I think actually I stayed by myself. Um, I originally was going to have some family come with me to make me feel a little bit better emotionally, <laughs> but it ended up not working out. So I was by myself for that week, um, which was fine because I made many, many friends at leadership foundations. Um, but this is at leadership foundations actually, which was, um, an intense, time for me, but at the same time, it was amazing. Um, really being able to be there in person, connect. You look so young and fresh back then. <laughs> you <laughs> For still the look three young. years. <laughs> no, no, no MBA stress. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and this group, actually, my learning group is very cheesy, but they really did get me through like the first year. Um, the, the quant classes for me were especially difficult, you know, like even with the prep work that I had had, um, you know, still were very rusty in my skills and really kind of like feeling overwhelmed, like the feeling of being overwhelmed. But they, I, I would say like as much as I've learned from my, my professors at the school, I've learned just as much for my peers. Um, and I think one of one of the pieces that I kind of like told myself as I was going into it that really helped me was just, you know, being real and being vulnerable and being honest about what I could and couldn't do. I didn't want to go in, you know, pretending like I knew what I was doing and then later sitting at home and going, gosh, I have no idea how to solve this problem. It was really sitting there and going, I have no idea what you just said, or what's this term? Can you help me with it? And, and as much as I was being open and honest, I think those vulnerabilities helped um, and my peers, like, really also just very helpful, um, very honest, and really, I would say, very willing to help me through some of, like, the things that I, the difficulties I had in the, in the quantitative side. Um, and I think, conversely, it was really helpful. Um, I was a lot stronger in terms of, like, writing um, and, and maybe, like, comprehension of some things. And so I was able to feel like I could give back in some other aspects um, and really balance out the team with, with our different strengths and compensate for each other's weaknesses. Yeah, you're, you're, everybody brings something to the party, and you use the word cheesy. I, I, I understand and respect that word, but you also use the word imposter syndrome. You, you know how many times that word comes up on these podcasts, but that's what people are paying for, right? That, I love that cliche. If I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong room. Like, like if I surround myself with excellent people, their aspirations help my aspirations and and then there are things that i actually bring to the party also i love i love that because um if i remember right from your picture that was andy right he's one of your classmates yes, yes. so you know andy's one of our i think he's a phd i think he is yeah and i talked to andy several times the summer before school should i do executive mba should i do femba he he drilled me a lot that summer he had a lot of show me the money kind of he was very mm -hmm. 
he was a tough cookie, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not just going to read your website and trust him. You know, he wanted, he wanted right. stats. He wanted this and this. And he's going to, I think, where did he tell me? They're moving to the Northeast with, right. a, yes. with, the, with yep. a brand new job and a brand new yep. company. And it's been fun to watch his career. So this is someone very, very accomplished, you know, mm -hmm. deep STEM knowledge. Um, and he's transitioned, creating a new path in his career. But it's, I, I, I just wanted to illustrate for those of you who are new, who are starting, you know, Tina's pointing to that you can, you can look at your classmates as your own personal board of directors. You can, you can really relate to those four, you know, four or five other people in your study group. Mm -hmm. You know, these are my tutors. <laughs> you know, this is, these are my people. This is my village. And if you, if you bring that share success, it's another cliche, but it's, it's, it's the collaborative, it's true. The, yeah, it's the collaborative space of Anderson. And if you, if you realize, wow, I can receive from them. I can also give to them. Yes. The faculty are going to teach. Yes. They're going to set up the model and the, the timing of the quarter, yeah. but so much of this education is going to be on these zoom calls and conference calls and, you know, the Google hangouts and, and shared documents and wrestling with the complexity of these cases, plus the complexity of our lives. Miss commute from Seattle while I, <laughs> you know, have imposter syndrome while I think this is crazy. Yeah. Here I am doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's just like, you just have to sometimes just hold your breath and dive in um, and just yeah. give your effort. Um, and I, I honestly, you know, now that we're very good friends and we've been very open and honest with each other, we can have some of these kind of candid conversations. And at no point did they ever feel like, um, I wasn't, you know, up to par. I think I was being a lot harder myself than any any of these people were. And I think a lot of them were kind of in the same boat I was, where it's like, gosh, I don't know. This person seems like they're really high up in their company, or this person has, you know, X more years of experience than me, but it's really not about that. It's really about you're there to learn and develop yourself and what can you learn from the people around you. And, and I think this is like a great, great example of um, us just kind of coming together and helping each other be be the best versions of ourselves. So um, anything else from year one? What's it like, you know, going from year one to year two? Or yeah. how, did, how did you mark the time as you went through FEMBA? You know, the, I think the only difference I would say between year one and year two is I, I chose not to do summer classes between year one and year two. So I actually had a little bit of a break. Nice. Um, but you know, I feel like the quarters flew by. It's, you know, you're meeting new people everyone's just as excited as you are and, and trying to learn and everyone's kind of, you know, trying to get on the same footing um, and just and exploring new things. Uh, so it was, it was incredible, you know, tons of extracurricular events. There was a lot of happy hours. There's a lot of, uh, I think we had casino nights and then the Halloween party. And it was just, it was just tons of fun. I think just getting up to speed and, and trying to do, trying to like experience everything that you say like has to offer. Um, and especially for my section, I would say coming from the, uh, Flex now called hybrid section, where we're coming in every three weeks um, and flying, you know, from all over the country to kind of meet each other. It was a little bit more exciting. I think it was, you know, you get to see your family in LA, and then you also get to see your family from the East Coast come in and people you haven't talked to in three weeks, and it feels like forever that you haven't seen them. Um, so it was, it was really, I think it was a really encouraging experience, uh, but also really exciting when you were together um, as well. How about study habits? and flex or hybrid because a lot of what I hear people concerned about is I want to do hybrid I think it's the right schedule for me but you know I hear other people say no I'm going to do all day Saturday because I like the it'll keep me on it'll keep me on schedule yeah. so when did you study and did you 
you know, did it evolve through time? You know, how was between those, you know, every three weekends, like you say, it seems like forever mm -hmm. since we saw each yeah. other, East Coast, my LA family. But then when it was Tina and Tina's schedule, yeah. what, what did your study habits look like? How many hours a week were you morning, evening? How did yeah. you map your time? Yeah, I, I think the, the major part of the hybrid piece is that you really have to manage your time very well. It's very easy to leave things to the last moment, especially if your class isn't structured for it, team isn't waiting on you for a deliverable. Um, so I think that's, I had to definitely keep a very rigid schedule. I found out very early on, it can get very overwhelming if you let it kind of pile up and procrastinate. Um, I attended, I, I, you know, I'm more than just a student. I have my husband, I have my family, I have friends here in Seattle, I have work. Um, and so it was like really um, hard to kind of balance all those pieces without kind of keeping myself. Um, on, in some way to kind of devote time to each of those pieces. Um, so I like to actually do evenings and then some weekends. And so it was like usually like Tuesday through Thursday evenings, um, as well as like a Saturday or a Sunday to kind of give myself to, to studying and doing um, like kind of my own deliverables and my own work for the team. And that really helped me kind of keep sane. Like I still had Monday and Friday for my friends and family, one of the weekend days as well to kind of, you know, visit um, other things or to have some like me time and to have some like, you know, downtime from school and from work. Um, and so like on average, I think it was probably about 20, 20-ish hours a week that I put into schoolwork um, per week between like, you know, reading, team meetings, et cetera, X, Y, Z. Um, and a lot of that was just like communication with them. You know, these are the days I can do. These are the days I've kind of blocked off to keep myself sane, um, mm -hmm. to, to continue to have a life outside of just school and work. Everybody's reality is very different. But if you have a pre-existing life partner mm -hmm. <laughs> and you want to work that out, any perspective on maybe, you know, how did, how did, how did you make this a win-win outcome for your husband also is a, yeah. is a way to ask it. Definitely. Um, I think it's, it's communication, I think is the biggest piece going into it. Like even before we started, you know, the whole MBA journey of researching, I think I made sure to communicate really well, like why, why I was doing this, like, why was it so important to me and my goals and what I was looking to get out of it? And I think it really helped that we were both on the same page as to what I was hoping to get out of it. Um, and I think that helped to kind of frame when I did get into the actual MBA program, like when I started doing the classwork, how much time I was devoting to it. Um, so that was like, I think the first big piece of really helping to make this work. And the second piece is we found, also found out very early on, we really needed a shared calendar. I had like way too many events and like meeting schedule to kind of manage separately. So it, it became like, okay, you need to have visibility to literally every meeting I have because otherwise you will plan like a dinner with his parents. I'm like, gosh, I can't do that. I have a meeting with my group. So, so that was actually a tool that I think we use that really helped uh, to kind of manage. But it was really just like expectations and communication and like there were some weeks too where I was like I'm slammed this week it's finals I'm sorry you know like I, I have to block these days out I can't do xyz um and it was just really a lot of, a lot of upfront communication about that yeah but it's some of it's just the it's the infrastructure of grad yeah. school and yeah. that's my that's my always request for people don't just you know don't just relax the summer before grad school get get some get some mm -hmm. infrastructure in because it's going to go so quickly once, once it kicks in that if you can get those, if you can get those systems built in the summer, you'll appreciate, you know, if you can be kind to yourself in the summer, you'll have some lift. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's iterations. We, I think we went through three or four different incorrect things or things that didn't work for the way that we process information before we found something that did work. 
um, yeah. definitely some failed attempts along the way to get to the right spot. So <laughs> thank you, Stephen. If you ever hear this, we appreciate you yeah. supporting Tina, She's a wonderful <laughs> member of our village. And thank you for being the wind underneath her wings. So thank you, Stephen. It takes a village to raise a femba. I love it that. Does. <laughs> So first year is like your core classes. You know, you're going through it until the what first quarter of your second year. And then after that, it kind of feels like you're on your own. It's like, here are all the electives you could take. And then it's kind of up to you to decide like, well, what, what am I doing? What am I actually doing? You know, like what, 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 I said I wanted to do this thing when I started, but like, am I still in that same location? I mean, for me, that was a really pivotal part. I think even after Leadership Foundations and after the core, I met so many people doing jobs I had never heard of before in industries oh, I, I never knew. I was like, I didn't know someone did this. Like in the back of my head, I thought someone might be doing it, but that's so awesome that it's you. And I have so many questions for you. And I think like, you know, I came in as an enhancer. I think in the middle of the program, I definitely was like, oh man, I want to explore all these different careers. These all sound amazing. So when it kind of came time for me to do my electives, I sort of had to like reel it back a little bit and like kind of focus in on like, okay, well, like what's the path I want to take? Like I want to, you know, like do electives that are interesting, but I also want them to be beneficial to what my end goal is, which is whatever my next step in my career will be. Um, and this is where I actually got a lot of um, insight from my cohort, my peers. Um, and I really wanted to focus on, I would say, at a high level, like just like the economic side of it, like just like a lot of like macroeconomy, um, economy classes, and then also global management and like just nice. managing business things. Um, and so that's what I decided to focus my electives on. Um, and so with that, I think kind of came along these opportunities to do international pieces of it. So there's the global immersion and then also international exchange. And I felt like that would be just an incredible way. One, it's required for the global management certificate, but two, I really wanted to do it. You know, you can't, you can't like want to work in global management, but have never really gone to other countries or experienced things in different ways. No, um, no, so chose, let me just ask though, but even though you had the, even though you had the master's degree from Europe, you still felt there was more yeah. your international credibility or, yep. or experience. Okay, great. I Definitely. love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think actually as a result of being there and learning things and knowing how different it was from just, you know, reading it kind of a little differently, that's what I really wanted. I wanted to connect with people in those countries. I wanted to see like what their systems were like, those businesses, like how things differed culturally, you know, business practices, like, uh, like legally from like, you know, government standards, like all these different kind of factors. Um, and so I kind of set, set myself up to, to do that. So I took um, Global Macroeconomy with Sebastian Edwards, which was today one of like my absolute favorite classes. It was so much work and I like in the middle of it kind of regretted it and was like, oh my God, what am I doing? This is like insane. I can't read it. But at the end of the class, I appreciated what the information that was imparted on me. Um, yeah, Professor Edwards is one of those <laughs> professors that that people just love and I mean he's world-renowned apparently when you travel with him in South America he's like a, a phenomenon he's like a I've heard. rock star um, but now did you go with him I did not no so I did um, oh that was okay so so that was a class here correct yes that was a class at Anderson yep um, okay. I did I was actually thinking about doing a, a global immersion with him but I ended up not doing it um, okay. just for like work reasons and whatnot, but I but did. You, you, you were deciding economics and, and global management were really yes. like, I've got these elective units and I want to spend yep. them well. So that was evolving for you. So he then became yep. one of your yes. anchor classes, I guess. 
Yes, yeah, which was good. It was it was very early on that I decided to take that class. Um, and so I think it really helped solidify like some of the, the feelings I was having about what I wanted to do as well. So it really helps to validate that. Um, Excellent, I see, okay. Yeah, um, and then I, I did the international exchange at Waseda University in Tokyo, Japan. Um, and that was, that was incredible for me too. It was, you know, you go there with the international exchange, you're in the classroom learning with the professor, you have peers from the, the home country, you have peers there, maybe from UCLA if you're lucky, or even from other universities that are also doing exchanges there. Um, and so that was really, that was really great. And it's, I think the, the highlight of some of those things is just the cultural and the discussions aspect, like all these different perspectives on the issues that maybe you hadn't considered because of your own background. Um, and, and seeing the diverse range of opinions and, and ideas was really, really incredibly inspiring. So. And when you were choosing your destination, you know, Japan is a very formal business culture. There's a lot to learn there. <laughs> you know, what did you consider other countries or how, you know, that's another fun choice that's awaiting yeah. this year's yeah. entering class is which quarter do I go or which intercession do I go? Mm -hmm. Where do I go? How, how did you sort of think it through? How did you make yeah. it, make it map? Yeah, so I, I, that's a very great point because I had a very hard time choosing, like there's so many great programs and so many great schools, like, well, which one do I rank as number one? Um, and I think really what it boiled down to is I had also identified that like something I wanted to do with global management and managing um, like international business specifically was I was, you know, with my product development background and in supply chain, I was really, really interested in um, like supply chain specifically coming from Asia. And I would say like, you know, that's where a lot of the long supply chains are. We ha I've had a lot of contacts there. I had a lot of experience working there. Um, and I think that was something for me that was really interesting. And so I was, I was actually debating between, um, I think it was uh, Tokyo and then there was also another university in Hong Kong, but I want to say that the summer that I went, uh, the Hong Kong one hadn't been offered and it was the Tokyo, it was Waseda that was offered, but that's kind of how I narrowed down to like region. Like, okay, so like, I, I think I have a focus in this area. Um, I really want to maybe future business-wise want to work uh, in Asia or want to work with these companies in one of these countries. Um, and so that's kind of how I, I decided to, to rank Waseda as number one. Nice, oh, that's great. And tell people, because for people who don't understand, how do you differentiate an international exchange contrasted to an international immersion? What What is the, how does it? Yeah. So um, for global immersion, um, so the class is a little bit bigger, so the number of people that go is larger, and it's about um, experiencing like the culture kind of aspect of it. You do classes at Anderson, there's a, a pre-class, I believe, the global immersion and then a post-class, um, but it's like um, um, experiencing culture, business practices, visiting companies, um, and really learning about, I think, more of like kind of the cultural of, of uh, like the business side of it and then what the country has and really immersing yourself in it. With the international exchange, it's um, there's a pre and a post deliverable, the reports that you have to analyze the country. I um, mean, it's sitting in a classroom at the sister school with um, students from that sister school, from that home country, and you're taking a class together and you're learning together uh, to kind of uh, whatever, whatever topic it is that you decide um, and really engaging in discussion and working through the work together. So, okay, and well, you know, those of you who are new admits don't, we'll explain all of this, but, <laughs> but you have choices, even, even, you know, even within the world of our international experiences, right. you've got choices, so. Yep, definitely, yeah. Very, very um, great. Yeah. Yes, that was definitely a, a big highlight, I would say, in my second year um, was, was, was working through that. 
And um, along the way, you were also very involved with our ambassadors. Thank you yes. again. Well, thank you, husband <laughs> Stephen. But I want to thank you for taking the time. You met people in coffee shops in Seattle, in Portland, I think. Yeah, definitely. All over Seattle, all over Portland. I have a great story about the very first coffee chat I hosted. So I hosted it in Seattle, and, and it was a great turnout. There were like you know six or seven, I think, um, prospective candidates that came. And among them was um, uh, Sahara and Henry, who at the time, I believe they were dating. Yes. So they came and they talked to me. We had a great conversation. You know, I followed up with a couple questions here and there. And then I learned that they applied to the program and they actually got admitted the year after, um, which was really exciting. Um, they got engaged during the program and married during the program. And I'm very excited that I was kind of like, almost like witnessing their journey the whole way. And it was from like, from the moment that I decided to host this, this coffee chat to just share more about my femme experience with them. Oh, that's so, yes, yeah, Sahara, she sent the, the wedding announcement. Oh, my God, the, her <laughs> dress was just gorgeous. Yeah. Oh. So I was, like very, I was very excited that, like, someone from my coffee chat was, like, kind of excited about Femba also and decided to go for it, so it was great. Yes, and she and I share a Texas. We, we both sort of have roots mm -hmm. back in Dallas, so, yeah, yeah. all these fun little connections as you, yeah. as you meet people, even in the pre-admit phase and then the summer before and year exactly. one. and. So, you know, but, you know, I always thank you for your contribution to ambassadors. I hope it was a reciprocity, but we often find for, you know, if you, even if you just volunteer once or twice, but it's, there's something about having someone else ask you, why did you get an MBA that has your own internal processing, look at the question newly. Well, why did I get an MBA? What value has this brought to my career? Is this worth the time, the effort, the money, the complexity? The challenge you know and, and there's something very there's some there's a positive like you know what is it learn one teach one you know i learn it myself i teach it to somebody else just thank you for being in the flow tina we appreciate it yeah. tell yeah. them about your global access program you went to sweden is that right i did yeah so um global access program or gap is um it's incredible it's probably the thing that stands out the most in my entire time here as being the hardest thing i've done but also, I would say, still very rewarding. <laughs> and, and definitely, you know, there's, there's going to be an aspect of it in the middle where you just really, it's again, it's one of those questioning moments, you know, that you're really going to question why you did this and what possessed you to apply and, and, and how you got yourself into this position. But it feels amazing. Um, <laughs> I asked for this? How did I get exactly, here? Exactly, <laughs> yes. So, um, so I went into it with my group, um, and we, some of us had actually worked together previously, and like my my group kind of went through a little journey too. But we actually had a group of um, six people that we applied to, and then you know people changed their minds. Some wanted to go to BCO, some wanted to do some external projects, and we decided you know like this is this is a program for you. You do you, and we'll figure out the group. And so we actually had a group in the beginning, broke up a little bit in the middle, and then we pulled some new people in, and then we actually got assigned people as well. So it was a mix of like I worked with you for you know two and a half years and a mix of like I've never worked with you before so that was like really interesting and challenging to kind of navigate group dynamics through it as well and did you guys um, take advantage of like Matt Gorlick and absolutely <laughs> shout, out to Matt. shout out to Matt one of our yeah. other heroes still like amazing um experience and and our on-campus meeting with him was actually still probably one of our best experiences and, and his suggestions and contributions were fantastic too to, to our group dynamic in general. Um, and and so, when you were bidding for your companies, you know, why why Sweden? Why the particular company that you chose? How did you guys make that choice? 
Yeah, so um, I'm going to be honest, we didn't get any of our picks in the first round, which is oh, really? companies. We wow. also didn't get our first three picks in the second round. Um, so <laughs> to kind of sum up, you know, there's like a details to come later, but there's a bidding process where, you know, you think about your, your team's backgrounds and the companies you're suited to and the areas of interest you're in, and you really match yourself up. So for us, actually, um, the, the reason why this company um, was on our list, this company was suited, was because they have like a, a clean tech uh, aspect of it, a sustainability aspect. And so a number of our members were interested in sustainability. Um, unfortunately, I think the company, well, fortunately for us at the end, but unfortunately at the time, they're very heavily in engineering and it was developing um, machines. Uh, it was ozone generating machines. And had any idea what what that was. We didn't have engineering really backgrounds, or if they were, they were in different types of machinery. Didn't really understand ozone. So we kind of went into it a little bit blind um, in terms of like, oh crap, let me Google, you know, like uh, ozone and ozone generation to try to get up to speed. So, so the company we picked, we loved the aspect of clean tech and sustainability and, and working with them. Um, but definitely for us, we, we knew we kind of had a steep learning curve to get to where we needed to be. Um, to really, to really be of use to the company in the beginning. <laughs> did, now, did you do a research trip? Did you go to Sweden? I did. Yes. Yeah. So one of um, one of the moments in there was like we decided that you know two of our team members were going to travel um, to the company headquarters um, to be able to do a lot more primary research and also see the products firsthand, really experience like what the company culture as well. And so I was one of the two that was lucky enough to go. Um, and we we made a it was a ten day trip, I believe. Um, you know, including like flight time, out to Sweden to the company headquarters. Um, and it was incredible. It was really nice to be able to put faces to the names we had been talking to over email in terms of the other employees. It was really great to see the, the production process in action. It was also great to see like actual client installations in Sweden as well. We were able to see that um, and really like learn more about like the suppliers and learn more about like the, the process of what it takes. Um, and then our company executives were enough to to help show us around Sweden um, they had used to be uh, nightclub owners and they still had a lot of contacts in um, Sweden nightlife <laughs> so they were gracious enough to kind of show us around and, and let us explore that side of Sweden as well <laughs> very good yay it's yeah. all you know yes <laughs> exactly it is it is that was that came as like a surprise to us we were like I'm sorry you were what and they were like you know, we had to get funding for our company, and, and the best way to get funding was to start up these nightclubs. And I was like, that's, that's really unique to this company, and I really hadn't expected it. So it was fantastic to, to learn that. <laughs> we're going to create an ozone cleaning company, but we're going to fund it through nightclubs yes. in Sweden. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yep. Of course. Yep. It was, I've um, never had like a VIP nightclub experience before, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> Very great. Oh, that's awesome. That is so fantastic. Yeah. Now, Darcy will be mad at me if I don't um, remind you. So tell us about the story of kind of like when final presentations, you know, how did, what, what happened there? Yeah, um, this, was, this was actually, I think, at the beginning of GAP. Um, and I think one of my favorite uh, cohort rallying moments today for Anderson. Um, but so when we when we kick off GAP, there's a student presentation weekend. Um, and they give you a kind of case to analyze and they pick randomly um, out of, you know, the hundreds of students that are in GAP, um, a couple students to go up and present their analysis of the case, you know, and 
obviously, I'm like, oh, there's like hundreds of us. I'm not going to get chosen. So I get an email on Friday, and mind you, the presentation is on Saturday, um, about me being picked to go up and, and share my analysis of the case. So I'm, you know, like at home, low-key freaking out. On the entire plane ride down, I'm like with my friend next to me, like also freaking out and like trying to frantically figure out how to analyze the case. But, but we get we get down um, to the, the student presentation and then we go up to present our bullet points. Um, and what was on the line was an additional $500 um, to spend on your gap expenses. So it's it's a pretty lucrative prize. Nice. <laughs> oh, knows. I, I know that part. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, things are on the line here. There, there's like stakes riding on the line. Um, and so I go up and I ask Professor Foreman, who's leading this, if I could use my notes. And she says, oh, absolutely not. So I'm like, oh my God, so that I had to memorize this. Anyway, so because of my collective freak out on the way down, I, I, did the, I did the best I could. And I just presented my analysis of the case. Um, but like, it's probably one of my most heartwarming moments because my entire, the entire class, my entire flex section, plus the other sections, they were like cheering for me. They were really like so I think proud of probably the fact that I was even able to answer cohesively, but also just rallying around the fact that I, I did it at all. And it was just like the one of the moments where I just felt like I have this entire community behind me wishing me success. Um, and it was it was very endearing, it was very heartwarming. I honestly don't even remember what I said. I talked a lot. It was it's a lot of you know stuff coming out, and I'm like, I'm sure I made a point in there somewhere. Um, and we, in the end, we won the $500 for my team to, for our expenses. So it was, it was a very, it was a very encouraging moment for me. <laughs> and you had how many, how many hours of prep? 24? How? It was about yeah, it was about 24. But you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it's like, you know, that's the, the, the journey of the NBA is going to have these, these intensity moments. And, and it, again, it's, I'm not competing against everybody else. It's can, right. can Tina talk to Tina <laughs> in mm -hmm. Tina's chair on Tina's airplane ride down, you know, <laughs> like this is, you know, but, but yeah. all of us, like, where does confidence come from? It, Absolutely. it comes from challenging ourselves. It, you know, it's, it's leaning into those things that, you know, are scary but, but leaning into those things in a learning environment, in a safe space, mm -hmm. in a laboratory setting where I can, I can run that experiment. And yep. hey, this one was a victory, but sometimes they're not victories. It's exactly. all learning either way. If I remind myself, it's like, the good Absolutely. thing is I'm on the court, right? The good thing is I'm here participating. You know, and I honestly feel like even if I didn't know what I was talking about, that student body, like all my friends would have still been cheering me on anyway. I think the fact that you even get up there, you take the stand, you know, in front of hundreds of people to kind of deliver your message on a microphone without any notes, you know, like that you knew of two minutes ago. I think regardless of what would happen, um, that's what I felt like. I really felt like the support from them. It's like they really would have cheered me on regardless of what I said, even if it was 100% wrong. <laughs> Well, I'm going to teach stand and deliver this year because we're yeah. going to have, Leadership Foundations is going to be virtual, but you know, fall quarter is probably going to be more, mm -hmm. I guess the right way to describe it, it's going to be hybrid for everybody. We are going to mm -hmm. have in-person instruction, but I think Leadership Foundations, the, the plan at the moment, which could modify, is that it'll be, it'll be virtual, but I'm going to teach stand and deliver yeah. in, a, in a virtual <laughs> moment. But that, that whole metaphor of, you know, I can be the most intelligent person in the room, but until I raise my hand and say, hi, world. You know, I, I have a recommendation. My, my career doesn't, it doesn't launch. Um, and so giving ourselves those, those moments in the spotlight with all eyes and how great that people rally, you know, because that's what Darcy, she's told me you would be too modest. Um, but she said, no, she was, she was the bomb, you know, you, you know like you, 
and your your courage inspires your classmates to to access their courage and you know that's you know I, I think people here share success and they think oh that's a nice phrase but I love Anderson I love the diversity of thought the diversity of background the diversity of experience and yet the commonality of aspiration and the commonality of the commonality of of loving the challenge and you know I always think we attract like sort of high achieving smart geeky people <laughs> you know like what's our, what's the prototypical fimba well a little bit smarter than the average bear but very open very oh average bear average bruin you know but very open and like we're not arrogant right it's excellence without attitude that used to be a phrase we used to describe ourselves and i just love that cuz i see people blossom and i loved that that moment for you that that you had that right mm -hmm. Definitely. And hey, 500 bucks is 500. <laughs> it was it was welcome for a team. <laughs> oh, well, let's, um, let's show people some more of the kind of during FIMBA pictures. Absolutely. So let me actually have some really, really great moments I want to share with you guys. So this one was when um, during company launch for our global access program. So we're standing, my group is standing with our two executives from Sweden, the nightclub, prior nightclub owners. <laughs> okay, this um, is the nightclub turned ozone yes. rescuer. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this is actually the kickoff when we first met them, really learned about the company and kind of heard it from their point of view. So this was really exciting. Um, so this photo I, I really want to share because this was um, a direct suggestion of Matt Gorlicks to spend some time together. And so being in hybrid um, specifically and like working with a team that's like, you know, on multiple coasts, we had Chicago, LA, we had Portland in here, um, and then obviously I'm in Seattle. It was like really interesting for us to try to find some team bonding events. And so at, at Matt Gorlick's suggestion, we decided to do uh, one of my favorites, which is an escape room in LA. So during one of our weekends, we did an escape room and we escaped um, and the theme was casino heist. And so at the end, we all posed with like our, our large bonds of cash to, <laughs> to show that we, we were uh, successfully had escaped the room. <laughs> This is another one of my favorites um, that I helped with the uh, the on-campus interviews. <laughs> and so hey, there I you know are, that <laughs> Yeah. Um, so this is one, of, I think this was, no, oh gosh, I don't remember the exact Super Saturday number, but one of the many weekends where I would come down to LA um, to help out with the Super Saturday interviews. Um, I'm really, again, incredible to connect with, I think, alumni and current students from other sections. Um, and then my favorite admissions team, of course. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Yeah. There's so many of our, our old reliable heroes there. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That goodness. I think that was like January. I, I know it wasn't this year. year. Yeah. I think yeah. it was January last year. Um, but yeah, very, very exciting. Oh, thank you for showing that. Yes. We uh -huh. love, yeah, we've interviewed, I think over 8,000 people in the 16 years or 17 years now that we've done with over 2000 current alumni volunteers. And the, the, the benefit of Super Saturday interview volunteering is you get better being interviewed by conducting interviews and vice versa. So you right. totally make us, you help us make more informed admission decisions 100%, but it's also a great chance to, to build your own. That's like such a great skill to be able to sit on either side of the desk. Tell me about yourself. Yeah. Well, we can go through. This is uh, one of the many events that we have uh, for uh, on campus. Well, Halloween, it was a Halloween night. Um, and there, there we are in all of our costume glory. <laughs> <laughs> so very, very fun moments with the, the cohort. Um, and obviously I think because, uh, Emily, that's Emily Carruthers. So she's from New York. 
Um, but, and I don't get as much sun as our fellow LAers. <laughs> so any chance we get, we are outside on the lawn enjoying the sun. <laughs> Very good. Yep. Yeah, pictures are worth a thousand words. Yeah, yes. yeah. It it takes a village to get through FEMBA, and and then you get to take all those relationships with you. I love how you're building the Seattle, the Seattle mm -hmm. North, you know, Anderson North yeah. up there. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we have um, well before the pandemic, but we had monthly happy hours that I was helping to coordinate with even alumni in Seattle too. So I think now that there's more of us up here, it'll be it'll be a lot more fun. So very excited for that. So what now what? What's next, yeah. right? And I want to talk about, you know, you've been, you're, you're a week away from being a year at, at Amazon and yeah. as a category manager with Go Grocery. So we haven't really talked about how enhancement became a switch. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, but let, let's kind of, let's, you know, anything and anything else you want to say about FEMBA, just the experience of it for sure. <laughs> but let's also, you know, this is a career, oh, excuse me, this is a graduate degree that's, there to transform Tina's career. Yep. So you had your walk in the door expectations and now you're walking out the door with a yeah. very <laughs> different reality. So for sure. people are gonna to wanna to know the special sauce. What did, what did Tina do? I wanna work yeah. for Amazon, how do I get where she is? So yeah. kind of guide us through, how did, how did this come to be and, and what are you looking forward to from here? Yeah, um, so I would say uh, like kind of a little bit backtrack, but like one of my time at Nordstrom and switching into that, that financial planner position. And then, you know, that was kind of came congruent with like when I started the program. And then when I went into electives and I started to learn a lot more about the other things and got a lot more curious and opened my eyes, you know, to like all the different ideas and careers that could happen. I kind of felt like, well, you know, not that it was like too modest, but I was like, gosh, like I kind of felt like I had total vision in the beginning. Like I was like, you know, I'm moving from point A to point B. And now I was like, I'm at point A and I have like 30,000 points that I can go to. Um, and so that for me was like really eye-opening. I set up a lot of meetings with people to talk through, well, what are my next steps? Like, what do you do? What can I learn from you? Is this something I would like to do as well? And it was a lot of exploring in the middle. Now, who, who were the people you set the meetings with? Oh my gosh, so many. <laughs> it was like everyone from my group. So I, I think like I talked to Andy about what he did. I talked to Pat about what he did. I talked to, I think Darcy and I had a, several meetings, in fact, um, to talk through things. Um, Pavin as well, he was going, he was looking to go into a project management, um, tech, technical project management. Um, and then like, just, oh my gosh, so many people in, in, in ideas and cross sections too, like not just in the hybrid section, but I met a lot of people in the Tuesday, Thursday or Saturday sections in terms of what they wanted. I mean, there's a lot of different industries. Did you call them, you know, informational meetings? I want to pick your brain. Like how, how did you, or how did it you was, approach? Yeah, it was a combination of that. Like some of them were a little bit more formal where I was like, Hey, can I just get like 15 minutes and get your perspective on some? Okay. Sometimes it was a chance meeting. Uh, we were at happy hour and I'm like, Oh gosh, that's your job. Hey, do you mind if I ask you a little bit more about it over the drinks? <laughs> um, and, and sometimes it was like in the breaks in between classes where I'm like, you just made like a really cool comment. Can I talk to you a little bit more about that in the 10 minutes we have to get coffee? I'll walk you over to the water cooler or whatever it might be. It was like really any opportunity I had to, to talk to them about it. Um, and, and being in Seattle, I would say like there was a piece of it that was remote where I'd like email or I'd like, you know, ping them on LinkedIn or whatever it might be. It was on Facebook. Um, but as much as possible, I tried to do it when I was on uh, in person on campus as well. Wow. So you, you took, you, you leveraged the wisdom of the village all around you <laughs> and just with, with kind of organic proactivity, you know, let's, we're walking yeah. to the water fountain anyway. Can I ask you, that was a great comment in class. Yep. So yep. really just, 
really just as kind of natural as that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it was just, again, it kind of goes back to just like, you know, you kind of have to throw a little bit about, you know, like pride or whatever might be out the window. She's like, I honestly really liked what you said. Let me ask you more about that. Or maybe it was like, I disagree with what you said. You know, like, I would love to ask you more about your perspective. And it's just really being open about that, I think really helps to kind of foster that, that like communication, that feedback as well. So it was, it was pretty cool. So, so you, you talked earlier, you were having the awakening that, wow, I really like economics. <laughs> I really like global yep. management. So that, so you have kind of a, you have an educational curricular evolving of your thinking, and then you're having an experiential mm -hmm. um, double checking. I love how earlier you yeah. said, these people have jobs I didn't even know existed, or, mm -hmm. or I, I hope somebody did that, but I didn't know yeah. I didn't know <laughs> right. someone. Okay, yeah. so, so this is all kind of happening in parallel, and yep. you're, you, you've, you've gotten a promotion at Nordstrom, so mm -hmm. then where are you? How is, how is it? Yeah. What happens well, I think next? I think that kind of came as I would say like me reaching out to people, understanding more about stuff, you know, like learning more about things in school and the classes I was taking kind of came to an epiphany for me. Um, and I actually, uh, at, at some point in, this was actually uh, like March, maybe two years ago-ish or March, a year ago. Um, but I decided that I actually was really unhappy with what I was doing. Um, I kind of had like a moment where I was too much school, too many changes in my personal life, you know, like work was just like kind of overwhelming me. And I, I kind of felt like I needed a break um, and I really needed to do something different. I just, you know, like kind of like had this like motion of like, gosh, I really don't like what I'm doing. What am I going to do to change it? Um, and I felt like I needed to take a break. So I actually quit my job at Nordstrom and I took um, a couple months of break before I decided like to re refocus in on what was important to me. How do I reprioritize um, the, the things in my life in terms of like what's important to me and where I'm going? And one of those things was like refocusing what I was doing in school and like how that was going to help me and like where I wanted to go next. Um, so actually I, I quit my I quit job without like even looking for another job. I just took a break. Um, my sister and her husband at the time were going on their honeymoon to Europe. And so my husband and I tagged along and it was a buddy moon. So it took, took like about a month off to go travel, just kind of like get myself back into like the right headspace again. Um, and then I came back and then I started really to dig in. And I was like, you know what, what I want to do is I want to position myself so I can move to a, an area where it's global management, I have opportunities and I have options for me if I decide that I change my mind later because it's okay to change your mind, you know, at any point in your career if it's not something that you want to do. Um, and that's how I landed at Amazon. So, so in this sort of epiphany moment, I became from like, you know, I want to continue to grow with Nordstrom to I want to be in a position where I'm enabling myself for the future. And then I kind of switched and I went over, um, applied to, to Amazon. Um, in grocery, which is like a completely new space for me. I've never done it before. It's a lot of tech here. Um, they, they think about things differently. We do things differently. And so that was like a really big change for me. Um, but I felt it was like kind of like the right bump I needed to, to continue to move, move forward in my career. Oh, I'm so glad your classmates nominated your story. I love, <laughs> I, I did not know this part of your story. Mm -hmm. So you quit your job. Mm -hmm. You gather your husband, unemployed. you're unemployed, <laughs> yes. you gather your husband, you tag along on your sister's honeymoon. <laughs> yes. Dina, this is creative. I, I've heard a lot of great stories. You know, I've been here almost two decades. I've never heard one like this. That's really, I love it. That's bold. That, that's scary. It is scary. Yep. That's scary, you know, and you, but you've built a team around you. You know, you've got, you've got a support network where you have the, and you've got some, 
you, you know, it's, it's always good to have something in the bank so we can give ourselves a pause when we need a pause. Absolutely. Now, where, where was this, like, you remember which quarter this would have been? Was this year two? Yep. This was year two in, um, I want to say winter quarter, because it was uh, right at the end of winter quarter. So I had quit in like February, went in March. Yeah. Okay. And then did you, how did you, how did you balance school during all that? Did you take a quarter off of school? I did not know. Um, I like basically like when I was kind of rethinking, I was like, you know, like these things that I'm learning and the, the network that I have at school is still really important to me. Those were things that I felt like were still priority in my life. So I was essentially balancing my personal life with schoolwork, kind of mm -hmm. taking work a little bit out of the equation um, to kind of help like reprioritize and balance things there. Um, and then I ended up giving myself, you know, like I gave myself a little bit of leeway. I was like, you know, I'm going to go back to, to like job search again in a month. Um, yeah. And so like I gave myself a month to kind of like decompress. And then I went back to the job search and, you know, gave myself a, a, a timeline. It's like, I'm not going to worry about being unemployed forever until July. <laughs> and, and thankfully, um, like I got like a lot of callbacks and I think I was in a better, a better headspace of like what I wanted to do and being very uh, prescriptive about where I was applying to and, and why I wanted the positions I did. So. Excellent. And then did you, were, was it through on-campus recruiting at Anderson? Was it your Seattle network? Mm -hmm. It was through you... my Seattle network for Amazon. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it was like reaching out to people I knew. Um, and like, actually, I think some people um, had from the, the UCLA side actually had some connections back too, which was really cool and interesting to learn. Um, but it was leveraging my network um, and asking more about like what, what, you know, again, it's like doing the outreach and like, what are you doing? And like, um, this sounds really amazing. I think this is where I really want to be. So you're doing you're doing the six months of Gap plus the basically the first six months of Amazon. Yeah, yeah, that was um, it. Was funniest because on Student Launch because I started at, at Amazon July. Uh, was, sorry, June seventeenth, and I think Student Launch last year was like June eighteenth or something. And the first thing they said was like, "Do not start a job right now." And I was like, oh God, I literally just started like three days ago. And I was like kind of panicking because I was like the first piece of advice, they were like, don't start a new job during Gap. And I was like, well, that's a little bit too late. So. And then, and then the story you shared earlier about getting called and having, mm -hmm. that was, I, I misheard. That was not at the end of Gap. That was at the beginning. That was at the beginning of Gap. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah you had a crazy summer last year. <laughs> My goodness. So it was, um, I would say Gap was challenging for many reasons. And it was because I was ramping up with a new job, new company, ramping up with a new team, ramping up with like Gap and schoolwork. So it, it felt like, you know, just many things crashing at once. But I think like what really, what really helped me kind of through it was just the idea that it's like everything felt like this is what I want to do. Like I was really passionate about all those different pieces because I wasn't compromising with myself. I wasn't going like, oh, I'll just stay in this job for a little bit longer because I need to X, Y, Z. It's really trying to focus on like what it was that like would really help me um, like continue to motivate me and passion and like in, in what my original passion was for joining the program. These are big risks, right? Absolutely. You've got a marriage, you've got a career, you've got a, you know, Nordstrom is a wonderful brand. Absolutely. You know, you're asking your partner to support this. You're stepping away from a safe thing. So mm -hmm. like, you know, so if I'm listening to this, I say, well, I think that's great for her, but I don't have the confidence to do that. Like where, where do you think your confidence is coming from? I mean, your mom came to America, you know, like, I mean, you, you've got heroes in your family of origin. Mm -hmm. But like, how, what, how do you, how do you think about confidence when it comes to these big, important moments? Like, mm -hmm. like if you're, if you're talking to people at a coffee chat and they ask, Absolutely. well, how'd you do it, Tina? Like, what advice can you give? Yeah, well, I, I think, 
I think the first thing that's very uh, misleading is that I was confident this entire process. That's absolutely not true. Okay, um, great, I, great. Yeah, I had many doubts the entire time. Even when I quit my job, I was wondering if it was the right thing to do and if I made the right decision. And you're never gonna know if it's the right decision or not until like maybe hindsight, which you know comes too late. There's a reason why they say hindsight's twenty twenty, but. In, in, in general with it, I think like what I really latched on, like where I came from was like, do I, like, what's my plan? And my plan when I quit my job was that I'm not going to worry for two months. I will worry in May. And that was, that was literally my plan was that I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to figure this out and I will worry when I come back. So the plan doesn't have to be great, but there was a plan in there somewhere. <laughs> oh and my God, I, that, may be, that may be the headline <laughs> of your podcast. The plan doesn't have to be great. But there was a plan. I love that. Okay, keep going. Sorry. So I was, yeah, no, I was, I was just so uncomfortable the entire time. But I think what helped was again is like communicating with my husband, where I was like, you know, I'm so unhappy, and and actually, I did, I wasn't the one who wanted to quit. He was the one who told me, you know, you're coming home every night. You're so upset. I don't think this is the right place for you. Like, you need to rethink what it is, and it's okay. Like, it's okay if you want to take some time off. And that's really how we started the conversation. Actually, was it? It wasn't. It wasn't for me. It was for my network. Going, Tina, you look really unhappy. Like, what? What's going on? And like, kind of doing that outreach. Um, and so for me, that kind of gave me, I think, courage to do what I did. Um, but I think when it came down to it, the confidence really came from like just the support that I had around me where it's like, you know, I don't know if I can do this, but I have to take the plunge. It's like, you have to build up those stores and just, just do it. Because what's the worst that could happen? You get rejected from a job. That's okay. You move to the next job. You know, there's going to be other things you can do. And there's always going to be things that you can learn about yourself. I was rejected from four positions before I got the call back for Amazon, you know, and like with each rejection, I, I was starting to kind of like feel a little bit more dejected, but because I had my second plan in place, which in May, when I came back, I said, I'm going to worry in July if I don't have a job, but I'm going to leave it two weeks, two months, because I know job searching takes a very long time, but I'll worry by the end of July if I don't have a job and it feels like I'm unhirable, which is never going to be the case. But, and, and so like I had these rejections coming in, but I was like, it's okay. I'm still just in May, you know, like it's, it's all right. I still have more jobs. You know, there's more things I can do. There's like, uh, you know, I'm focusing on school. I've got my head in the right place. So it was really a lot of, I think, courage in that piece and just really reassuring myself that it's like, you know, okay, what's the worst that could happen if you, if you like decide to take that leap? Um, is it going to be the end of the world? Like there's always going to be some way that you can kind of work it out between you and your support network. Or maybe it's, maybe it's pieces you don't really see until they kind of tell you about it. Like in mm -hmm. the beginning when I didn't want to quit my job, I thought that was the end of the world if I quit. Um, mm -hmm. and it really took like my network to be like, well, what's the worst that could happen? So you're fun employed for a couple of months or, you know, maybe a little longer. You get to be like a stay at home wife and cook more meals or whatever it might be. It was, it was like one of those pieces where I was like, you're right. Like what's actually the worst that could happen with this? Well, there's so much in there, you know, and, and again, I appreciate all the guests who are willing to talk about themselves in a recorded moment in front <laughs> of, you know, and, you know, these things stay on the internet forever and, you know, and they, and they make a difference for years to come. But, you know, you were, you were willing to let your husband contribute to you. You were willing to listen to your group mates. You're like, Tina, you don't seem so happy, right? Like sometimes we get so like, I will make this work. Absolutely. But what if life doesn't have to be quite so hard? What if we can let our board of directors, you know, those trusted advisors, our first circle people, we can let them nudge us in a different direction. You're in grad school, so there's a momentum around that. 
-hmm. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, yay, Amazon first thing for, you know, getting four no's, you know, my story real quick, I had 36 no's before I got my one, oh my, my one and only end of MBA job offer. But it was with, <laughs> it was with a German company. I worked there six and a half years. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. I got to go to, you know, again, I got to go to Europe. It was kind of an Amazon like outcome, but when you're in that process, you know, how do you keep yourself in a good headspace? Like I'm Absolutely. unemployed, you know, I'm not going to worry until May. And then for May, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry until July, <laughs> right? Like those are pro tips. Those are pro moves that when we develop the CEO of our own life, because each of us is accountable for our own life. Mm -hmm. And when we take that on and we have a open-minded learning agile change adaptive point of view, you know, you, you just hang in there until you get, so you get to something really great. So, well, now when, when the Amazon offer came, did you know instantly? Did you have to think about it? Did it feel like a good fit? I did. I did have to think about it. I was between that one and another job offer, actually, that were very, very different. Um, and so it, it kind of took me a minute to really figure out again, like, well, where do I want to go? Like, what, what does this one do that can, you know, leverage me to the next step? And I think ultimately it was, it was, you know, going back to like my priorities, like which I established in the very beginning where it's like, I want options. I want a network. I want to be able to change my mind later and not feel like I regretted, you know, my decision three years ago. And so that's really kind of what drove me um, to, to where I'm at now, which I, I, I'm like very, very happy that I kind of took the route because I, I really love what I do now. So. Well, in a year at a company like Amazon is probably like two years at other places. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you just lived through COVID spring quarter. So, so, I mean, I think making it to the one year mark is probably like making it, you know, to the 10 year mark. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that congratulations on that. Well, Thank you. oh yeah, and maybe people are curious about that. So, you know, a high a high and a low from this COVID spring quarter that we just lived because this was oh, gosh. you know, all of us the entire world, you know, here's your pandemic, figure it out. What what was that like, you know, to to end your Anderson Yeah. I mean, it was it was really I I think the there's a there are moments, there are lows and highs. I think the the low part is for me, you know, I've been a little bit spoiled seeing my, my like network every so often, being able to interact with them in person. Something that I really looked forward to for me was like definitely disappointment in terms of, you know, I, I, we can zoom or video chat. It's not the same as seeing them yeah. in person. So I think that was really sad for me. And especially too, there's some people I might not ever see again. And that, that makes me really sad too. You know, maybe we could have connected one last time. Um, but the situation is what it is. And so we do our best with the Zooms and, you know, like all, all the other like networks that we have. Um, I will say, I think there are some kind of perks that have come out of this in terms of like the remote learning, I think the engagement in class and, and, and like just the pieces of like a more frequent communication. Like one of my classes, I think they're a lot more flexible to the way the class was structured. And so instead of doing like really big lumps on the weekend, I was able to kind of do like every Saturday in like smaller chunks, which on normally I wouldn't be able to do like a, a Saturday class or maybe a Tuesday, Thursday class. But being in Seattle, it's like I actually could audit this class if I wanted to because I just have to log off work and log on and the class and you know, there's no travel involved. So I actually appreciated that it kind of opened up some options for me in terms of um, electives and other classes as well. Well, that's, that's on the administrative side, we've heard such positive appreciation of this you know, we really liberalized our audit policy in response right. to COVID, um, but it, it's, it's been an eyebrow raiser for everybody like, oh, 
Yep. People like all these other electives, but you know, you have to take two per quarter to advance okay. towards candidacy. So I think that's going to be, even when we get into the new normal, I mm -hmm. think that I, my anticipation, I don't want to promise, but my anticipation is that's a winner that people mm -hmm. like the audit ability. And, Absolutely. and you know, we've got the tech in every classroom, even when we're back mm -hmm. physical on campus, um, you know, why not broadcast? You know, we, we can, everybody's gated. We know who everyone is. So it's not yeah. like we're just throwing it out there to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely think that would be, that would, that would be something incredible. And especially knowing too, you know, you only have bandwidth to do so many classes, but if you're like me and you're curious about literally everything out there, you, you want to experience everything. And it's, it's very hard to reel yourself back and be like, okay, I got to like refocus. I can only choose two. <laughs> yeah. So. Now, and did you get one of the specializations? I did. I got the global management specialization. So, okay. So you did. So you had that kind of epiphany going into the yes. second yep. half of the curriculum and you did get the global management specialization. Good yep. job. I'm yeah. looking over here at your, um, I, I see on your, on your LinkedIn profile. It's not there yet. You got to list that. That's oh, good. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> and, and Fembassadors, you know, you got and a lot to say. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. Like when do we update LinkedIn, right? Well, yeah. yeah you know. Well, it's, it seems like an optimal time now that I've graduated. I should change it from MBA candidate to just MBA. <laughs> oh, is it, does it still say candidate? Oh, I think I might have, yeah. it might still say candidate. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we, as we come to the end here, and again, thank you so much for your generosity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of my, I, this question I love because I steal good artists borrow and great artists steal is what they say Picasso Steve Jobs <laughs> used to quote Picasso about that but what are some productivity hacks so you 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 thought you were an enhancer you became a switcher you went from mm -hmm. a great company to another great company you really developed you had enough I love how you were like hard charging but also open-minded <laughs> that you could you could hear that wow first half core classes second half electives you know, something's arising here. I think I got a different direction, you know, because that, that's what I want the, our, our new students always to plan your, I love how you say, you know, I had a plan. It wasn't a great plan, but I did have a plan. <laughs> plan your work, work your plan, yet mm -hmm. stay open-minded. Because part of what you're paying for when you pay, because this is the most expensive MBA, when you pay for an Anderson MBA, it is exposure to those faculty for sure, but it's exposure to those classmates, those experiences, Japan, the trip to Sweden. Mm -hmm. So out of all of that, you know, that's kind of the big picture, but then there's the, the specificity of what the work habits were mm -hmm. that helped Tina really win. And you, you talked about shared calendaring and multiple iterations that you didn't figure it out at first, but right. going back to the summer before grad school, if Tina knew then what Tina knows now, what would, what would now Tina tell then <laughs> Tina? First, the first thing I would say is that um, the preparation is great. Do what you can to prepare, but also you'll never be prepared enough. So don't take it too far. No. Um, and I think that was something that I kind of, uh, before leadership and I just kind of like freaked myself out with a little bit, but like, yeah. it's fantastic, but do what you feel comfortable with. Um, get to a place because it's always going to change and shift. Um, I think iterations is like a huge, huge piece of it. You know, it's fantastic to have a schedule. What's the schedule that works for you? How do you make it work for your life? There's no right or wrong answer and you're going to change it. So it's okay to just pen something down, you know, put it down, try it out. It's fine. Change it next week if it doesn't work out for you. Um, and then the third piece I would say is like, which I, I tried to do from the beginning, but really just kind of, um, be open and like layer, like be vulnerable 
to, to your peers and your classmates. Like be honest and open with them. Um, I don't think like that by any means. Like I, I think a lot of what I got back from the program was because of how much I put in. And I think the stuff I put in was just felt to me like just very real. Like it was like my honest opinion about something, um, you know, like being like trying to communicate with others. Um, I think that was, that was just a piece that, that really worked out for me. I think all three years of my program um, and my experience there and like the amount of like love from the community and my friendships that I built, I think all of that was just really due to the communication aspect of it. Okay, so, but let me, let me just sort of devil's advocate for a second, because, you know, a lot of times people work really hard, they get the right degree, they get the right major, they get the right, you know, first two, four, six, eight, ten years out of college, and then they come to Anderson, and then we say, be open, be vulnerable, be honest, mm -hmm. right, like, okay, but how do I do that, right, because I've been, I've been really working on my own, you know, I've really been sharpening my steel, so to speak, and now you're telling me to be vulnerable, I'm not used to that, or that seems, I mean, some people it's very, it's very yep. organic and automatic. I heard a little bit of that. I loved how you specifically would talk to people and, and say, I agreed with what you said. Could you tell me more? Or you also mm -hmm. said, you know, I didn't agree with that. Could you tell me more? Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. that was a cool, that, that to me is like MBA level vulnerability. You know, I'm right. not, I don't agree with you. I see the world differently, mm -hmm. but I respect you. And I'm curious, like, how did you come to have that? Like, so, you know, like, but, but that, th these are my words after what I've heard you say the last hour, mm -hmm. am I hearing it right? Or, yep. or what's the, you know, what's the, the paint by numbers, you know, <laughs> Tina tells me, you know, so I'm, I'm in leadership foundation. Tina told me to be open, bold, yeah. and honest. you know, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I, a lot of it's kind of like your mindset too. I think to your point, like, so you probably don't know it from this interview, but like, I'm, I'm like a very type A, like if you look at my Birkin report, I'm like red, I'm like way in the corner. I take action. I'm usually the first to leap to something. I don't really think before I talk, I just kind of open my mouth and it just goes. So, so I think that's actually like very um, indicative of like the, the first thing I had to teach myself to do was just like, okay, I need to listen. Um, and like, what am I listening for? Am I listening to just rebuttal? Am I listening to understand? And I'm very much a listen to rebuttal type personality. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't work. You know, you can't, you're not going to get very far or understand very, very much from like another person's point of view. If you don't really listen to understand what they're trying to say. And I think uh, a lot of like the questions I was asking when I was like, Hey, I don't understand. I don't agree with you. Can you explain? It's because part of me was like, okay, well, I know I need to listen to understand, but I still don't understand. So how do I communicate? that I don't still really get it, even though they're talking. And it's to ask more like, can you explain this piece to me or I still don't get it. Um, so I think the first piece of it is just like really be almost like teaching myself to like how I need to approach the situation where it's like, okay, let me just not say anything for the first 10 seconds. Let me just think about what they said. And then when I open my mouth, it seems a little bit more purposeful in terms of what I'm, what I'm asking to have. Um, and then I also think like, part of the vulnerability is just like putting aside like my pride of going like, oh no, I don't want to understand another person's point of view. I know I'm right. It's more so kind of like just help me understand a little bit more about what people are saying because I still don't get it. So I think like the second piece of it is just really like kind of putting myself out there um, and seeing if they're receptive, receptive to like a conversation about it as well. The very first, I would say like the very first coffee chat I had, which is when I was first accepted into the program was like, you know, so full of energy and life. And, you know, people were saying to me like, oh, well, just wait till you get to year three. I just had one, oh gosh, not that long ago. 
before this pandemic happened in, in, I think it was January, February, still just as energetic in terms of like the amount is just, I have more knowledge now about the program and more experience with it. But, but really I would say like it was, so there were so many fluctuations throughout the three years, but at the end of the day, it's like, I, I think I'm still kind of back to my, like my first picture with the UCLA flag where I was just so excited to, to start this journey. Um, and I'm done now, but I'm still just as excited that I had done it. Well, that's great. Yeah. Here we are 72 hours after graduation, <laughs> one yes. week shy, or no, no, two days shy of your one yeah. year marker with your brand new company, brand new role, brand yeah. new function really have reinvented yourself Tina yeah and that's but I mean but the basics are you're still Tina fam you're still your mother's daughter you know you got the same husband you started with right like yes. there's, there's the core of you that is that has been solid but Absolutely. look what you've built on top of that foundation you really have reinvented yourself yeah, when, when we started the program, the hybrid program, I think there were three, three people in Seattle. It was myself and two others in the same 2020 year. And now with Sophie and Ricky moving up, I think we're at eight or nine, which is super exciting because in the beginning, I thought I was alone in Seattle. Like no one else was from UCLA. But now I actually have an Anderson fam here, which is really exciting too. Well, um, any you know, last words are yours. Any any shout outs, thank yous, any any oh final gosh. parting thoughts? I mean, really to the whole class of twenty twenty, it's like I, I would name names, but like everyone, I just I feel like I every single person has contributed in such a positive way to my experience at Anderson and, and my total learning experience for UCLA in general. Um, my original learning group was fantastic. My gap group was fantastic. I, I just feel like there's just can't enough, not enough words to, to express the gratitude to, I would say like most like the, the, the community and the network of students that are at Am uh, Anderson and then the faculty and the staff and support. But the, I would say like the community that's built there is like really the highlight um, at the end of the day. You can get an MBA from really anywhere, you know, like the degree is the degree, but what do you get at? Anderson, when you get at UCLA, it's so much more than just the degree. It's the network, the community. There's so many other aspects of it that really make this one a very special, I would say, decision. Well, that is that is praise that we cherish the hearing <laughs> of, you know, because we're nobody works at a business school who doesn't have a, or I'm sorry, who works in education who doesn't have a heart for other people, right? Mm -hmm. You know, this is a this is a service industry, you know, we're a bunch of people who love to teach and research and, mm -hmm. and try to bridge, try to bridge. We have 125 graduate degrees. We're, we're one of many at UCLA, but they're all intended to make our society function. And gosh, we got the pandemic. We have civil unrest. We're going to have to elect a president this year. You know, it's, it's a time the world needs leaders and mm -hmm. UCLA is committed to the people of California and Washington. <laughs> And, yes. <laughs> and and the world, right? Um, right. But but I, I am so appreciative to hear your appreciation to say it like that, you know, on behalf of all of us, you know, but you put the effort in, you know, we're grateful that you got the result. You put the effort in and and it's just, um, you know, this summer series that we're offering. I hope this makes a difference for the class of 2023 and beyond. Well, everyone, you've been listening to Tina Pham, 72 hour graduate. <laughs> It's, it's, it's almost four o'clock. Yeah, it's four o'clock. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> literally 72 hours ago, it was Friday <laughs> afternoon. And, um, and she's, uh, she went from a great job to a really great job. Uh, she's, you know, look her up on Amazon, follow her career.
Uh, if you're in the Bay Area, you can maybe go to a, an alumni chat or something. I don't know. <laughs> or you may you, you may need a break from all of those. Yeah. <laughs> but um, thanks everyone for listening, Tina. Thank you for your time. Thanks for being willing to say yes uh, to the nomination from the peers and, and really yes. being a voice of the class of 2020. We we really appreciate it getting to hear your story. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it.